So what do executives think of Ontario as a manufacturing hub? In most cases, uh, they viewed it very positively. As long as they were using advanced manufacturing processes and they could compete in the Ontario uh, and with their Ontario plants. You're listening to Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I am your host, Nick Persichilli. And in today's episode, I interview former 3M Vice President and General Manager for 3M's Global Automotive Division and former President of 3M Canada from 2012 to 2016 and current Trillium Network board member, Paul Madden, to get his insights on what global executives think of Ontario. I mean, we've been talking about what global executives see in Ontario for some time now. I figured it might be time to actually ask one for their opinion. As someone who's looked at a map of the world and thought about and thought strategically about where to manufacture stuff, Paul was a great person to speak with. So what do we chat about? Well, I learned a lot about 3M and how their global manufacturing strategy is to, quote, make it where you sell it. It's a great philosophy to have. In fact, one of my favorite parts in this episode is when Paul told me the story of the 3M exec who was asked if they'd be opening up more plants in North America and closing them in China after the pandemic wrought havoc on our supply chains, to which the executive answered, quote, we never left, end quote. 3M's plants in China supply the Chinese market, and 3M plants in Canada supply the Canadian and North American market. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions to this strategy. In fact, Even Paul himself alluded to the occasional outlier product, but they're exactly that, outliers. So what does this mean for Ontario? What do global execs think of Ontario? Well, it turns out they like us. Why? Well, sustainability, an educated workforce, our public health care system, our access to the best tech, our craft beer industry, all these things make Ontario as a whole a very attractive place to build things. But that's just the beginning of the story. At the individual company level, things get a bit more detailed. Remember that blog post Brandon had a few months ago about the definition of advanced manufacturing? Well, Paul added a bit of depth to that discussion. In short, he made it very clear that only those companies that have adopted the latest technology in Ontario are competitive. While we still haven't found a consensus definition of advanced manufacturing, for Paul and 3M, the definition is pretty simple. Make it better and make more of it with less. Now, yes, this is a challenge for a lot of companies. We've talked about it on this podcast, but there are no shortage of examples of Ontario companies having a ton of success adopting the latest Industry 4.0 technology. Axiom, smart attend, I'm looking at you guys. In the episode, Paul discusses 3M Brockville and the success story that is that plant. Now, it's a bit too much to get into during this introduction here, but it's a really compelling story, and it's a definite win for Ontario. We also discussed what Ontario's competitive advantage is, according to Paul. Do we chase scale? Do we chase bespoke, high-quality, low-volume manufacturing? Is it somewhere in the middle? While he didn't exactly and explicitly answer the question, he did ask a follow-up question, the answer to which will help us understand Ontario's situation a lot better. Who are our customers? Who are they? Up until a few years ago, it was the U.S. and Detroit and all things automotive. Is that still true? If it is, great, let's move forward. Let's start building the next thing. If it isn't, well, then we have some thinking to do. We know we can build anything and we can build it well. 
3M loves us, Detroit loves us, plus the GTA and Waterloo are being called Silicon Valley North. Our manufacturing future is ours to write. However, one thing is clear. The road to prosperity is paved with the latest technology, both literally and figuratively. Anyway, here's Paul on how we can keep making it in Ontario. And we're live again. And this time we are chatting with Mr. Paul Madden, one of our board members. And uh, we are doing it virtually, uh, which is unfortunately still the reality of the thing. And uh, Paul, thank you for joining us virtually, as it were. Um, Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Nice to see you, Nick. Thanks, Paul. And I got to say, when I first started at Trillium, uh, this was back in like, you know, late January, early February, I was looking around at, uh, you know, some of our board of directors. And I was like, when, when Brendan tapped my shoulder, he said, yeah, we're definitely going to be having a podcast. And I had the opportunity to look at your CV. And I was like, well, I want to talk to this person. <laughs> this looks, this looks really interesting. And I want to really geek out hard. Now, in this podcast series, we've been trying to figure out Ontario's competitive advantage because we spoke with i'm not sure if you heard the the jay myers podcast he had some stuff to say about historically what our competitive advantage was what it turned into what it is now and what it's going to be are we low cost are we high efficiency are we mass production so that's what we're trying to figure out in this podcast and pretty much with trillium now before i go on any further um for those people who don't have the luxury of having your linkedin page on the background of a Zoom call here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you've had uh, a fair bit of history with 3M Canada. Can we get, give us a little sense of uh, what your day-to-day was there? Yeah, so I was a, a long-term 3Mer. Uh, started uh, with 3M in Canada 30-plus uh, years ago, uh, primarily in sales and marketing, and then went to the U.S. in the year 2000. One of our divisions was headquartered in uh, Austin, Texas, And I spent seven years in a variety of different sales and marketing roles and then had a great opportunity to uh, move to Sydney, Australia as the CEO for Australia and New Zealand. And so that was in in the the 3M model, um, 100% responsibility for the company in Australia and New Zealand, which was primarily the outgoing sales and marketing organization. But we did have a few manufacturing plants in both countries. And um, so I was responsible for for, uh, day-to-day and strategic direction of the country and then got moved back to Canada in the same role. So uh, for four years, I was the president and general manager of, of 3M Canada. Uh, in the same role, bigger company, lots more manufacturing, lots more sales and marketing. And then I finished up my career uh, running one of our divisions out of St. Paul, Minnesota, and it was the automotive division, um, where we would sell the top OEMs, all OEMs globally, um, products that would go with the car. So I did that for a couple of years and uh, retired in April of 2018. You know, really what we're focused on in the last job was providing solutions to automotive OEMs that would make their cars more efficient, run quieter, uh, lighter vehicles, that type of thing. Um, And we dealt with all of the major manufacturers around the world. In In the Canada job, running Canada, 
Um, as I mentioned, part of the responsibility was the sales and marketing organization across our 25 divisions. But we also had uh, six or seven manufacturing plants. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But we wanted to make sure that our plants were running efficiently, uh, using advanced manufacturing technologies, making sure our quality uh, and uh, consistency of supply was there across all of our plants servicing primarily the North American market. So it was a, it was a fun career and a, a fun, uh, I've lots of fun opportunities and fun jobs at 3M. And, uh, and now I've been retired now for about three years. I hope you've been enjoying your retirement. Yes, indeed. And uh, so you've obviously spent some time looking at the globe as a region. And forgive me if this is a very novice question, because full disclosure, my background is communications. I'm not an economics person. Um, I spent some time at the APMA, but I'm not in, you know, manufacturing. Again, I'm a comms guy. Mm -hmm. So I do apologize if this question is a little bit novice. How is Ontario viewed by some of your, I guess at this point, former contemporaries in the, in the higher executives of 3M? So let me, let me start off by saying our our manufacturing strategy across the world was a make it where we sell it strategy. So in that sense, in North America or in, in Canada, we have plants that manufactured products uh, for the North American market. In Asia, we had plants in Asia that manufactured products for the Asia market and uh, Europe and, 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 and so on. It really just made a lot of sense. It gave us better service for our customer. We were more efficient. We were able to react quicker to customer demands when the plants were all local. We had local sources of supply to our plants, which also helped service the local economy. And so for a global manufacturer of over 60,000 products in 70 countries around the world, it really just made sense to have local plants. And so local meaning North America for us. One of the things in Ontario, we we did manufacture for the North American market. and, And what Ontario had to offer was a stable workforce, but not only stable and educated workforce, using advanced manufacturing strategies and and advanced manufacturing processes. We had a good track record for quality. For our employees, we have, of course, had a a great healthcare system, which costs a lot of money in other parts of the world, Uh, a good standard of living, very desirable standard of living. We have good proximity to local markets. We have stable government, uh, supportive governments. I guess that could be debated from time to time with different strategies, but for the most part, Yes, we do have compared to other uh, countries around the world, and certainly. So what do executives think of Ontario as a manufacturing hub? In most cases, uh, they viewed it very positively, as long as they were using advanced manufacturing processes and they could compete in the Ontario and with their Ontario plants. I like that. So you actually, and we haven't released this podcast yet, but you actually echoed the sentiments of uh, our friends at Reshoring Canada. Uh, okay. Sandra Pupatello and Tony Clement, where they said one of our biggest competitive advantages is our people, right, and our stability across right. all different. Like you know, we have yes, our governments may or may not be the most support. You can debate the policies of it, but but my, by and large, they're supportive. So I'm hearing a yeah. lot of stability in Ontario. Yeah, and I guess anything that would disrupt that stability is probably a bad thing. What I so okay. So the, the other thing you mentioned, too, was advanced manufacturing, which I don't know if you saw this, but um, Brendan, our managing director, 
has uh, he put out a um, he put out a, a, a blog post that talked about he's an academic. He wanted to define what is advanced manufacturing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everyone seems to agree that one of the few ways Ontario stays competitive, as as you and Sandra and Tony have confirmed, is to employ the best advanced manufacturing techniques. So. I guess if I can, I, I'm going to ask you this question now because it's been a little, we've asked this of all of our guests so far. Um, advanced manufacturing, okay, take a step back. A digital twin, that's a new term. Augmented reality, that's a new concept. Artificial intelligence, again, new concept. But if you were to go back to the 1970s and say, oh, we're looking to invest in advanced manufacturing, that concept would still be valid. So how do you define advanced manufacturing? Well, let me let me give you an example of something that happened during my tenure. So that would have been Please. in Canada, which would have been uh, from 2012 to 2016. We have a plant in Canada. This plant happened to be in Manitoba, but it's the same as the same. Uh, I think it can apply very directly to Ontario. This plant manufactures a medical device, and it's a medical medical device used in uh, in measuring your your heartbeat and other things. We had two plants in the world manufacturing this device, our plant and a plant in Poland. And they basically split the volume globally to support this very niche market. Our factory costs and our competitors, and to me, it's all about how can you compete in the marketplace? How can you compete in manufacturing and selling this product in the marketplace? And so what we did is we looked, we got some really smart engineers to look at the product design and we looked at what products we were using to make up the product. Had we over-engineered the product a little bit? Was there some way to provide the customer what they wanted and maybe reduce the cost of this particular product? So uh, we put a couple of really smart engineers on the project and came up with two cost downs, one of about 20% and one of about 30%. Tested the product. The product worked as good at or better than our, our previous product and could get the price, the delivered factory costs to a point where we could compete against many, many low-cost competitors. Secondly, we looked at our manufacturing processes, and this is where advanced manufacturing comes in. We uh, worked with several companies, one actually right here in London, uh, in our plant in, in Morden, Manitoba, and redesigned the entire manufacturing process to be more efficient. So re-engineered the product, re- completely re-engineered the manufacturing process, and we became the low-cost manufacturer of that product in the world. And our Poland plant got closed, and we are now the sole supply for the world for this particular product. Now, that was five or six years ago, and that may have changed now, but it was a pretty exciting uh, opportunity. And I tell that story in the manufacturing community to, and as many politicians and other manufacturers as I can to say, yes, we can compete using um, some really, really smart folks uh, working on product design and some really advanced manufacturing processes uh, um, around, you know, in, to, to make sure we deliver that low-cost, <clears throat> efficient way of manufacturing this product. Now, did that work in every particular case? No, it didn't. I mean, we have a, a pl- another plant uh, manufacturing duct tape, and we were competing against a couple of other uh, 3M location uh, places, and we could not compete due to uh, overhead costs and some labor costs and things like that. So, um, so can we win every time? No, but in order to compete, in my view, 
and I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but in order to compete, advanced manufacturing processes is absolutely critical, especially in uh, a region like Ontario, where there's uh, a bunch of other costs and things that that come into play. Um, if if your company or if you don't have the volume, the global volume, or if your company doesn't have global reach and you can't get the volume necessary in a specific area, then perhaps it forces you to do other things. But but if I think if you apply this correctly, we can absolutely compete in Ontario. So before we rolled on this, we had a quick preliminary chat. Uh, I think it was, a f- what was it, like a few weeks ago at this point, mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, I think it was, what was it, 3M Brockville? Right. I be- and there was a discussion around efficiency in that plant. Can we... For the benefit of those who weren't, uh, you know, cyber hacking our conference call, um, <laughs> can you uh, can, can you give us a quick rundown of, of of our discussion on efficiency and 3M Brockville? So this was back in the early '90s. Um, 3M was looking to expand uh, manufacturing of one of our key cornerstone products in our industrial business at 3M, and that would be masking tape. And so. Not unlike the discussion I just had on our medical device, um, there was many locations in North America that were evaluated for 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 this plant, and and as I mentioned before, it, it came down to looking at stable to pick the location, uh, stable workforce, access to to uh, the North American market, uh, good track record, standard of living, all of those things really f- help focus on and getting support for the Brockville plant. And then what we did is exactly the same thing. We, we got the latest technology in manufacturing equipment and designed this plant uh, in order to manufacture a tape as efficiently as we can in any other part of the world. Now, this, there's, there's, an, there's an awful lot of automation involved with manufacturing this tape. We make these, this tape in large, large jumbo rolls. It gets slitted. And, and cut into the right sizes and put on smaller rolls. But it was, uh, it was a really, really uh, good success and has been the, uh, one of the, the most efficient plants in the 3M tape world. Uh, 90% of the product goes out of Canada. So we use 10% locally, but 90% goes out primarily to the U.S., but it does get shipped to, uh, to other parts of the world. And at the time... We were one of, as I mentioned, one of the uh, the low cost uh, manufacturers of a roll of tape. So, because of that success, you may have heard in the news as well that we opened up another plant in Brockville. And this, I've been gone for three years, but I know how 3M works. Is they look at the reputation of the existing folks in Brockville and decided to put a respirator mask plant in Brockville. And and it's it's because of the success. One of the reasons was the success of the, uh, the tape plant that we now have a, a really highly functioning manufacturing plant for respirators uh, for primarily for local market in Canada. Lots of political reasons around that as well, but we'll be able to augment supply to our industrial customers across North America. So a really, really good story of picking a location, using advanced manufacturing process, latest manufacturing processes have really smart people, really good sales, really good um, workforce, and has a great track record of delivering products on time, you know, in a, in a very efficient way. That's awesome. So 
and now you've found your way to Trillium where yeah. you're chatting with me. Um, I just realized now that I'm speaking to my boss's boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Paul, now we are all in Trillium. We're mm -hmm. all kind of rowing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your thoughts on Ontario now and how you think Trillium, I mean, I've got my ideas on what we can be doing and I think I'm doing it now because I want to make sure that the whole point of this podcast is to get people like yourself, put a microphone in front of them and say, here, this is the discussion we're having. So what can you tell us about where you'd like to see Trillium going in the, in the, little, in the next little bit? One of the advantages that we had at 3M is we had this incredible network of manufacturer and this incredible manufacturer team that worked together, really, really worked together, all growing in the same direction, sharing best practices, leveraging um, new processes, Lean Six Sigma, I mean, many, many things that made us more, more efficient. And so that was a real advantage for a company like a multinational company to be competitive and, and take advantage of all those things. I see Trillium as, a, as exactly the same thing across many markets, across many segments. I mean, certainly starting with profiles and sharing the profiles, but also how can we, how can we really share the best practices around Ontario, but quite frankly, broader than that around Canada or even uh, globally, how can we share those practices to make Ontario manufacturers more productive? In, in my view, a manufacturer needs to get up in the morning and figure out uh, how can I compete better? How can I be more efficient? How can I expand and, and get new business? And what, that, and what that means is constantly looking at reinventing yourself and constantly looking at doing things in a better, more efficient way. And I think Trillium's positioned perfectly in that spot with the many, many touches around, uh, around the province uh, supported by the government, who is who is the provincial government, who is very supportive of um, everything that Trillium is doing, which is a real positive. And how do we share that uh, that manufa advanced manufacturing examples and processes with as many people as we possibly can? You know what you just reminded me of? It's like I completely agree because you've just expressed quite um, concisely what what I would have thought was our role and. You know, if, if you walk onto a shop floor and there's that core group of people who just know everything about that shop floor and not only the shop floor, but also the peripheral around this particular supplier, that particular supplier is going to send this truck and that truck needs a new tire, but you, they just know everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what our role should be. Right. Like, for example, okay, Industry 4.0. Is everyone on the same page with Industry 4.0? No, they're not. They mm -hmm. need some help. Hey, call us. We just did a whole podcast on it. We got all kinds of solutions and connections. What about this whole, uh, you know, are, are you using the, the, the best advanced manufacturing techniques? Oh, well, I don't know. Are we? Come talk to us. You're mm -hmm. right. I, and Because it's very difficult to create that culture of on the shop floor where everyone knows, you know, you got to ask this person, you got to ask that person. And it's hard to create. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that is, yeah, I think that's what we are, in fact, trying to create. You know, one of the one of the things that I realized quite quickly is that the small and medium-sized manufacturers have a much different reality than a large multinational manufacturer. And so I don't know what the answer is. As you talked about at the beginning, you're not a manufacturing guru. Quite frankly, I came I came up in the sales and marketing and general business manager. So 
we had a lot of really smart manufacturing people running our plants and creating strategy. But, but as I look to uh, the many, many profiles that we've done at Trillium, um, I look at the small and medium-sized manufacturer who may not have as much financial backing as a multinational that may have other, that has definitely other challenges, but also makes up a pretty large segment of our manufacturing core across Ontario. So what can we do? And I don't know the answer to this. I've been on the board now for a year. I've never met anybody face-to-face really because of the pandemic. So I'm looking forward to meet all the board members and all of the uh, the people at Trillium face to face one day, but what? How can we help support the small and medium sized manufacturer to compete better to leverage new technologies? It's got to be pretty scary if you're a, a small manufacturer of you know twenty people, but you have to make a significant investment in order to move to more efficient and, and expand. Uh, to advance manufacturing machinery and things like that. So what are some ways that we as Trillium, maybe along with the Ontario government, what are some ways that we can help promote that? Because I think that is what's going to separate the small and medium-sized manufacturers with a lot of the others. And I actually have a theory on that. Um, so based on the discussions I've had, again, as a manufacturing out, you know, novice, but mm-hmm. based on the discussions I've had with a lot of these SMEs, uh, the challenges are fairly similar. And let's just go back to the Industry 4.0 discussion. Uh, we all know that in order to get efficient, in order to do more with less, you got to invest in Industry 4.0. On, on, on our Industry 4.0 podcast, we said it's not just a tool in your belt. Industry 4.0 is the belt. Yeah. So what you have to do then is fill that belt with different tools. But if you don't know which tools to get, that could be a bit of a daunting task. So you know you got to invest. You need to get more efficient in Industry 4.0, but you don't know where to go. You don't know how to. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know who do you, Trillium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's us. We can mm-hmm. start you on that discussion, so you're spending where you need to, not where you don't. I yeah, I think that could be a pretty good role. So if anyone's listening to this and mm-hmm. has any questions on Industry 4.0, get in touch with us. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, I I think that's a great. I think that's a perfect place to start. I've got a few more questions. I mean, I can probably ad lib, you know, and talk for quite a while here, but uh, I do want to be cognizant of time. Um, going back to 3M's regional strategy, because mm-hmm. I mean, is that strictly for North America? Is that a global way of looking at things? You know, it's it's an interesting uh, question. It's it absolutely is a global strategy, and we do have manufacturing, as I said earlier, in in every parts every part of the world. It's funny in a recent earnings call, our previous CEO got asked by an investor saying, you know, in light of current situation, are you closing some of your China plants and reinvesting in North America? And his comment was, we never left. We never left. We were always here. And so are we going to close our plants in in Asia? No, because Asia is booming right now. Or even if it's softening, they're they're softening from 15 to 10 or 10 to 8. Uh, So we need that local manufacturing in Asia to support our Asia growth, not to bring back to North America. And we never left North America. So we were always here. It's, it's such a, uh, a significant main, it's such a significant competitive advantage for us in Europe, in Latin America um, to react quickly to, I mean, right now is a great example. Supply chain is very, very difficult due to the, the closing of plants and, I couldn't imagine trying to 
ramp up a plant on the other side of the world for production for our customers here in North America or vice versa. Uh, we can do it so much quicker when we have manufacturing uh, across the world in, in our many, many countries um, that we do business. And so, as I mentioned before, 60,000 products, there's 25 divisions and 70 countries around the world. It's impossible to think about offering products to our customers um, without an efficient supply chain. And that's what that global manufacturing process does. It makes it much more efficient uh, to provide our, uh, products to our customers. That is a great soundbite. We never left. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, in, so that basically what that means is you've always been, and by you, I mean 3M, yeah. um, you've always been using the best tech to keep the costs down, to, com- to, to supply the region. So is it safe to say that, and I hate to go back to post-it notes, but just for the purposes of <laughs> accessibility, a, a post-it note made in China stays in China and a post-it note made in North America stays in North America. Is that correct? Yes. That, that's correct. And specific, there might be some specific examples. I mean, my example of, of the medical device product that gets manufactured in Canada, the volume, the global volume is such that one plant can service the whole world. Now, there's probably, there's probably some other sites across the 3M world that now are replicating the Canadian process and are being, are being manufactured in other parts of the world for efficiency reasons. But yes, products manufactured in North America stay in North American products manufactured in China. There's, I would say probably, and this is just a, a guess, probably 75% of our products are regionally sourced and, and sold. So how can we get more manufacturers, global or otherwise, global or Canadian local, because we want them to make stuff here, yeah. but how do we, is it possible to export the 3M model strategy of doing that? Or is that unique to your universe and your menu of products? I believe there are some other manufacturers who are other global multinationals that are doing the same thing, but it would become a little more of a challenge for uh, smaller companies just due to geographies you know, and, and, and volumes. I mean, if, if you're a medium-sized company and you want to ship product to, to Europe, um, it may not be efficient. In, to do that. I know there's many, many Canadian companies that do that. I mean, Linamar is another example of a company that has expanded globally to support their automotive customers in that, in that exact way. Now that Linamar is a large company, but they weren't large all the time. So as they expanded, they went where their customer was. It's very much uh, a, a great strategy as you're expanding your business. So smaller companies, obviously it's difficult due to volumes and, and geography and whatnot, but as you expand, I absolutely believe that it's a strategy that can be used uh, as you expand. Difficult for some companies, but absolutely a company a, a strategy can be used to as you expand to be larger. So let me ask you another question here about the kind of manufacturing that takes place here in Ontario. Should we be chasing scale or should we be looking to further become better at bespoke manufacturing or like cuz Everyone says, oh, the, to get the most efficient stuff, you got to go to scale. You got to produce hundreds of thousands of them in order to get those efficiencies. But Canada's also proven that we can produce low volume, high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. So, in your opinion, because, and, and I don't know the answer to this because this is mm-hmm. one of the things where Ontario kind of is going through a bit of an identity crisis. Should we be chasing scale 
mm-hmm. should we be trying to better improve our efficiency so that we can fill more cracks? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I have the answer for that either, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I think we have to look uh, to our customer to try to, whoever the customer is that we're, that we're selling or providing products to for the answer to that question. Will the customer value custom manufacturing that comes quicker and faster, or is it okay to wait four weeks to get a product from overseas? And I, I really think, uh, and, and, and is there, a, is there um, does, the, does the product solution fit the customer requirements? So I think it, it really have to look at each case in individually. It, but can you do it? Absolutely. You can absolutely provide a product, especially when you're showing value to a customer. And doesn't have to be the low cost. It just has to show value to a customer um, in order for for the customer to be successful. So I think it's all about focusing on what our customer wants and what our customer's needs are, and then building the solutions around that. And if that means uh, bespoke manufacturing to support what they need to do rapidly and quickly with top quality products, then then it works. But I think if the customer doesn't value that, then I think that's, that's where we start having having problems. You know, sometimes at 3M, we invent a lot of new products and it's just a little bit of a segue here, but we would invent this fantastic new product in the lab, take it out and show a customer, tell them it's going to be manufactured locally. And they'll look at this product and they'll say, this looks like a great product. I can't use it, but it looks like someone could use it. And then we keep getting that answer. It means we've designed this really cool product that really no one could use. And so we changed that whole process to start at the customer. We called it customer-inspired innovation. Talk to a customer of what the problems are, what, what are their challenges moving forward, and trying to come up with a solution, whether it's a new product or, a new, or local manufacturing or whatever their, whatever their challenge was in, in order to, for them to be successful. And that's what drove what we're doing. And I would, I would think that that's exactly what we need to do in the, in the manufacturing, uh, manufacturing area as well. You may not have answered the question explicitly, but you've certainly given the next question to ask, right? which I really appreciate. So, okay. So do we want to be, are we chasing scale or are we chasing bespoke manufacturing? Well, who are our customers? Right. That's an excellent question. So let's look at that. Historically, who have our customers been? Detroit, right? Right. Um, Lumber, I guess. Well, that's not really advanced manufacturing, but I mean, like, um, there's been a lot of lumber, sorry, there's been a lot of automotive manufacturing. There's been a lot of... um, I guess, other types of advanced manufacturing. So I guess now the next question is, and maybe I'm not qualified to answer this, who are our customers? Who do you yeah. think they should be? Well, I think who are our customers? I mean, that's such a broad, that's such a broad question for, yeah. for, for those in Ontario. I mean, we've spent a lot of t- time, Trillium has spent a lot of time in the last several months looking at, uh, at the craft beer industry. I mean, it's pretty obvious who the customers are there. They're local people who, who like the taste and are willing to pay for uh, a craft beer, uh, which is probably 20 or 30% more than uh, the price of the, the normal, uh, the large, big multinational beers. And so there's a, there's a whole industry that has come up focusing on the, uh, the, the, the local customer in Ontario that really likes a, a, a different product and solution. And so I think it, every market is really different, but there's, that's a great example of an emerging market that has grown into a pretty substantial industry that wasn't there before. And, and so I think we need to be nimble and adaptive to 
the uh, emerging markets and and make sure we capitalize on that. And um, yeah, I'm convinced that there are still lessons to be learned from that good things brewing report. Now that right. came out before my time, uh, right. but I, I, I've, I've, I've read it, I've seen it. And it's, I know there are still lessons there. And I know that the, the microbrewing industry is a very unique universe. In fact, we just, I just recorded and mm, tomorrow we're going to be releasing our um, craft beer week episode. We're calling it the beer cast episode where we interviewed uh, the owner of uh, Nickelbrook. Right. So yeah, that was a, you echoed a lot of his sentiments mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they, where he even said, it's like when, when we finally began the microbrew industry, you're not going to compete with the larger corporations on Pilsners and, and, uh, oh God, what was the other one? I'm, uh, there's Pilsners, loggers, mm-hmm. Pilsner. You're not going to compete with them on that. So what right. do you got to do? You got to customize. You got to sure. start making the, you know, the real, in fact, there's a can of it over there on my, uh, on my counter. Like this, it, the, you have to specialize. So you're not going to go on scale. Mm-hmm. You're going to get them on customization. Sure. So I'm trying to think what lessons are there in the industry, in, in the microbrew industry. And I don't, if you have opinions on this, I'd love to hear it, but like what other lessons are there from the microbrew industry, or sorry, not my, the craft, Ontario craft brewing industry that other industries can learn. Are there any? Well, again, I think it's it's something because my background is largely sales and marketing. To me, it, and, I mean, it sounds like they really understood the customer and what the customer wanted. And the customer wanted something different than the traditional pilsners and lagers. And so they came up with these IPAs and these Golshes and these other really cool different tasting beers, which created this, and this it just kept evolving and, and became more popular. I think whatever industry you're in and, and, you know, there's some prevalent ones, you know, in Ontario, but whatever industry you're in, you really got to understand what your customer wants and, and how you can really expand your piece into that particular customer. I mean, it's, it's, it really, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not hard, it, it, but it's not rocket science, but it's sometimes it's hard to do because you really you need to take a step back your business is chugging along. You're selling a hundred a month or a thousand a month. Things are going well. Where does the next market opportunity come from? Oftentimes, I think it comes from your customer. And you go talk to your customer and say, "What's changing? Are you thinking about you know what what do you what do you like about this particular taste or this particular beer or this particular size or is there is there another material you can use in your manufacturing process that is lighter?" Maybe that's a direction we need to go. You know, in the automotive industry, every manufacturer was trying to take weight out of their vehicle. And so when we went in solutions at 3M to replace nuts and bolts and rivets with very high bonding tape, it was a fantastic success because it reduced X amount of weight in every car, which increased the gas mileage, which was one of the critical factors that that an uh, auto OEM was trying to do was to hit these really, really tough targets for for uh, gas mileage per vehicle. Now, of course, electric's there, and it's a whole new game, but which has the same same kind of challenges. But if you talk to your customer, understand strategically where they're going, if you have that kind of a relationship, and then try to come back with new solutions that really fit with them strategically, and how can I make my customer more successful, or how can I... In, in the consumer world, how can I really look to where the, what customer 
are looking for or what they're wanting, that's got to be key to help driving. And then take it back to the manufacturing team and try to do it in, in the most efficient way. And if you can do it in a unique way, <laughs> and if you can do it in a way that, that gives you a competitive advantage, that's even better. And so that's where Industry 4.0 comes in. That's where advanced manufacturing comes in. Um, so you can do it in a unique and efficient way uh, and be competitive and have a product that your, your customer is, is wanting to purchase. So using your example, it would be kind of like, there's no point in 3M. If your customer wants a stronger adhesive, there's no point in 3M investing resources in developing a stronger uh, piece of plastic. It's like, no, no, your plastic is fine. Nice right. and strong. That's good. We want a stronger adhesive. Right, right. Uh, exactly. You've given me, you, you, Paul, you've given me a lot to think about as a, um, as a comms guy, because yeah, yep. you've you're absolutely right. Well, what are we as Ontario? Well, what are our customers? Mm-hmm. Who are our customers? Because mm-hmm. right now things are shifting. It, but traditionally speaking, it was all, you know, Detroit and Ontario were just, yay, great. Right. But now people are buying less trucks. Mm-hmm. People are expanding into electric. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, that's, that is a bit, what do our customers want? Yeah. Paul, I could talk to you forever, but I think that you've given me a lot to think about and I think, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, is there anything you want to add? No, it's been a pleasure, Nick. And I'm really looking forward to, as I mentioned, I've only been with Trim for a year and it's been a really funny start to the year. I'm really looking forward to get to know Brendan and the team better and really kind of work with them and understand where Trillium's going in the next several years and, and how can we help Uh, work with the team and work with the other board members to make sure we're going in the right direction to make Ontario uh, manufacturers more competitive. In my experience, I know Ontario manufacturers can compete with everyone across the world. And so that's what excited me when I was asked to join this board. I know, I know we can be competitive. I know we can be successful We just have to be really smart about it. The one thing that really kind of ticks me off is when a manufacturer here in Canada or in Ontario closes and they haven't invested in industry 4.0, they haven't modernized, they haven't, there's a couple of examples here in in London where that's happened, where we've lost a manufacturer who's been here for years and years and years, and we just haven't spent the money to, to expand and the focus to expand what we're doing. And so I'm excited to, uh, for the future. And um, I know we can compete as long as we're doing the right things. Paul, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. We'll talk to you again.